Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm Matt Rossi. I'm your host, and with me this week is my stupendous co-host, Joe Perez. Say hello to the people, Joe. Hello, everybody. So, um, yeah, patch 9.1 dropped. Nah, slow news day. Nothing happened today. Nothing at all. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't normally, like, first off, lore, we have an entire podcast where we talk about lore. And secondly, the patch is literally just out. So, spoiler discussions are something I don't generally want to do that fast. Yeah, like, I, I, I made a couple of vague tweets and I kept it vague for a very specific reason, um, I'm not going to ruin anybody's time discovering this stuff. Y'all got time. I'm not about to ruin it either. And uh, Yeah, I mean, for we, some people, like, for we, me, getting into the game at all is hard right now because same. we're having brownouts. Same, insane, because we're, we're, in, we're in areas where power is, is fluctuating just because of, you know, everything that's going on heat-wise. So we can't experience it yet. We don't want to take that away from anybody else. And generally, Matt and I are pretty good about not spoiling anything for at least a week. We try to be. I will. I I am, however, going to talk about the cinematics in a non-story related way. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will say the following. Uh, Taryn, if you're listening, everybody involved in this, and you you put on Twitter, you did a whole cast of of people, everyone who was involved in the making of it. Everyone deserves uh, tremendous accolades. This is phenomenal. Really good. This is one of the best cinematics you've done. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um. The new effects on Taronda to show off her Night Warrior status and to document where she is, that's just amazing. And it looks, it's, we talked about environmental storytelling the other day uh, when we were doing Lore Watch, and this is a perfect example of, you know, rather than have somebody come out and say, it's Taronda, she's done X, you show that it's happening on her face. Mm hmm. Um, the acting between the two actresses is also really good. Uh, the Sylvanas actor, actress, Patty Matson does an amazing job. Um, Taronda's voice actor does an amazing job. Uh, so much just, so that I'm actually curious if they had them like recording at the same time because the reactions to each other were just so stupendous. And I'm not trying to take anything away from them because they're both phenomenal voice actors. But like, I if you've never seen a voice actors or ever talked to the voice actor, a lot of times they're mostly recording their stuff solo or individual. And especially now with everything that's been going on in the world. Um, and I was talking to my friend, uh, Sissy about this a, a while ago. Um, she converted a closet into a recording studio because that was the only option that they had when they're doing stuff from home. But the way, uh, that they're like interacting with each other, like, I, I, either they have just done a fantastic job reacting to, to listening to it, or they had them on a call or in a room or something nearish each other where they could hear each other and react in real time, or the editing is just that spectacular. Either way, blown away. Sorry. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> um, I went and looked it up, and apparently the voice actor is named uh, Elisa Gabrielli. Um, at least she did the voice in Heroes of the Storm, and I'm pretty sure it's the same actor in Heroes of the Storm. As yeah, it is. I'm pretty sure I heard that they were trying to keep the voice actors uh, voice actors consistent uh, across yeah. games as much as they could. Yeah, it says Warcraft series as well, 2002 to the present. She's playing yeah. to it. So uh, you've done an amazing job, uh, ma'am. This is just stupendous. I am. I 
there are some problems I have with this thing that I'm sure we're going to talk about on Lore Watch. Uh, not that it's bad. It's really not. Um, it's just because we already know certain things about the story because we know who's in the raid. I was lacking a certain amount of suspense. I'm like, yeah, I know what's going to happen. And I was right. But I will say that at least they evaded the major pitfall that I thought they were going to step into. They, they mm-hmm, completely mm-hmm. sidestepped it. They made this fight what it should be visually. It's just really, really good. In general, ah, again, I don't want to do any story stuff, so I'm going to have to just say, in general, it does a very good job of setting up. Can, can I talk about that one moment at the beginning, you think? I think that's safe enough. But okay, I, I'm gonna, I'll stop you. I'll stop you. Or, I'll stop you and interrupt you if I think you're getting too far in. Yeah, this is a spoiler. Also, it's a, it's a it's it's the first twelve seconds of this thing, but it's a spoiler nonetheless. So you might want to forward ahead like a minute if you're listening to this recorded. If you're listening to us live, I don't know. Hum, uh, just yell at me really loudly. Uh, I don't know. I'm sorry, but I don't think this is a big deal. I don't think this will ruin it for anybody. The opening is Sylvanas doing an evil thing and summoning through what sure as heck looks like the Tara grew into Ardenweald. Sure did. And you're thinking, ooh, the Tara grew, there's going to be a big fight. Tara grew doesn't last four seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Literally goes, Urgh! falls on his face, and there's Taronda on his back, having just shivved him. <laughs> it's just. It is the perfect introduction to Toronto in this thing, and that's why I had to mention it. Yeah, it's 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 a it's very much a visual about the hunt, right? Like, and that's that's what's really great about it. And I think we should move on because I mean we're just going to wind up, yeah, going absolutely. into it. But like, but, well worth your time when you get to it. Stop, watch it, turn up your audio, put on headphones. Um, it like if you need to watch it twice, like it's it's worth your time. Yeah. What else is going on with patch 9.1? Lots of things, but I have to... Yeah, I'm going to check to see something. While, while you talk a little bit, I'm going to get on my transmog mount because this is something I want to see. The one shoulder thing? Yeah. I was going to say, you, congratulations, folks. Uh, you can now transmog individual shoulders, I believe, uh, because patch 9.1 is here, and it is a time we've all been waiting for. So as- asymmetrical shoulders? Yeah, finger guns. Um, very excited about that, actually, and I actually can't wait to get in there and do that with my hunter. This character does not have any money, unfortunately, so I'm going to have to flip all this stuff back manually. Yep. I've not been playing this character. I've been playing my other character, so... But, yeah, that's... You can go to the shoulder, and you can now see transmog each shoulder separately. It's so nice. And you can do that. Now you've suddenly got you know, both shoulders, and you can do this, and you can basically say, okay, I'm transmogging this shoulder separately, so let's get rid of that one. So you can see it right there. Except unless you're listening here. Yeah, you're just listening, but if you, I will now describe to you that I now only have the one shoulder. It's... Yep. It may not sound like a big deal, but for a lot of players, like, if you were playing... Uh, at least for me, as a hunter back during vanilla days, 
uh, or even a shaman, getting Harad's shoulder was a huge deal because it was so unique. And it was that classic gladiatorial uh, cartoon anime one shoulder. Um, and nothing else in the game did it. And they did a few sets later on. Uh, Warlords of Draenor had a few. Uh, I want to say Mr. Pandaria had some where it was um, asymmetrical, but you still had something on the other shoulder. Being well, able, Legion, yeah, there's a plate shoulder in Legion that drops during the uh, these the mission when you go to the Exodar and and try and it, figure out what the thing is. And and Mithriac in, in in chat, absolutely, and that's such a huge like historical slash fantasy thing. It's archers couldn't have two shoulder pads and that was that the, they wouldn't have it on the one shoulder they would have only one and then they would have a, the van brace on the the other arm instead of having a full shoulder pad so that they could have their full range of motion and it's such a wonderful callback we've just never been able to do it so being able to do this now is like getting something that i've been asking for for 17 years <laughs> yeah it, it is it's it is the thing i've been uh, of all the things and there's a lot of things like the torgas changes i'm super excited about uh, I love that they're gonna they're gonna have more layers, uh, fewer floors per layer, so five instead of six. Um, they're gonna go up to like twelve, so you you can keep going and, and earn soul cinders. There's no more death penalty in Torghast, which is good. So yeah, the Taragru just got shivved by Taranda, um, and then he goes to a raid. So <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff in this patch that I'm super excited Tazavesh. about. Tazavesh. Yeah, Tazavesh, I'm, I'm, I'm desperately interested. I, I, I honestly wish I had a Horde character now. Mm-hmm. Because most of the people I know who do hero, who do Mythics and Heroics are in uh, the Horde. Although my Alliance friends do raiding with. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not going to get to see Tazavesh for a long time. But, yeah, I this this is... It's this a is massive update. It is a massive oh. update. Yeah, the Sanctum's coming out next week. By the way, that's the thing. I wanted to say that up front. If you're like trying to, if you're super excited for raiding, you will not be raiding the Sanctum this week. Uh, normal and heroic don't come out till next week. Mm-hmm. They come out on July sixth, I believe. Uh, LFR and Mythic will obviously come out the week after that, with like one wing of Mythic, and then every two weeks or so, another Mythic wing will drop. So, not another Mythic wing. Sorry, another LFR wing. Mythic just comes out, doesn't do wings. Right. Um, but yeah. I'm sorry. I'm a little sidetracked by looking at how cool my character looks with just one shoulder on. <laughs> I'm like talking, talking, talking. I look so cool right now. Um, uh, but there are there are a whole new slew of uh, pets and pet families. Um, there are oh glasses, glasses, glasses are, are a thing now as well. You can um, actually buy a pair of regular old glasses and transmog to them. So yay. Yep. There, there, there's there's a lot to digest here, and I mean, uh, again. It's just massive, and we could spend the entire episode just doing nothing but talking about what's in patch nine point one. But yeah, so five types of glasses, the, the individual shoulders; those are huge for anybody that does collection or cares about there's the actually, rule of cool. There's also there's also the new sets and stuff that you'll be able to farm up uh, as you. They're they're visually sets. I don't think they actually have set bonuses. No, because they they're trying to do the whole craft your own set bonus thing now. Yeah, there's but there's new there's the new leather. And uh, cloth and mail and, and plate sets that you can put together with new appearances. Um, there's obviously also going to be new raid gear. But the legendary changes are something I think we should talk about really fast. 
the first up is that updating or craft, crafting a new legendary was going to give you basically, if you were getting a legendary that's in any of the so- slots that get the new uh, shard of, de- of domination gems, people were like, well, now I'm going to have to recraft my legendary because I, I have a legendary in that slot, but now I have to worry about it. They've made it so that the the the, the, the socket for those items just appears if you update a legendary. So if you put your legendary from three to four, now it gets a socket. Which so you won't have to completely replace your legendary with the exact same legendary, but this time with a socket. Just up upgrade it. Now you get the socket. It's not well, perfect, but it it actually addressed one of my major concerns. Like, I literally, I think last week when we were talking about this, I went on about it for a good long while. Oh, yeah, um, you did. With, with, with Corey, this literally addressed that concern. So thank you, Blizzard. Like, it, again, it's not perfect, but I'm, I'm actually very, very content. Uh, also, I should point out, um, unless were you going to talk about the rank five and six ones? No, go for it. Okay. There was, there's also now new rank five and rank six legendaries. You can, you can get your legendary up to rank six total. And you do this by, uh, amongst other things, you have to farm soul cinders, which drop in the higher levels of Torghast stuff. Like, you know, when you're doing them up to, like, I'm trying to remember the the exact difficulty level, but I think it's 9, 10, 11, and 12 of of them. So so old ones, too, but the the higher difficulty levels that, that are now there. You do those, and that's where soul cinders drop. You need those. You also need a thing called a vestige of origins. The Vestige of Origins, you have to learn the recipe to craft it from the Quartermaster at Death's Advance, uh, whose name I'm forgetting, although I remembered it when I wrote the post. And you have to get to Honored with them first before you can buy it. It then costs 2,000 Stygia to buy the recipe to craft this thing. It then takes a ton of mats. Uh, the, 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 the tailoring one is something like 400 cloth, 400 thread. Um, and then... They, they all take 40 of a new thing called Corthian Shards that you can basically get from doing uh, specific quests in Corthia. Various rares drop them, and you can find chests that have them. So this is not easy to make. And the Vestige adds two to the item level of the base item you use to craft a Legendary. So we, we already know how to craft the base items up to like fourth, like rank four. That's currently in the game. If you have a rank three legendary base item and you have a vestige of, of origins, you combine them and now you've got a rank five base item, which can be used in the crafting of a rank five legendary. In much the way that if you had like a rank one legendary and you wanted to take it all the way up to rank four, you could do so if you had the base item and the, and the amount of soul ash you need. If you had, say, a rank one legendary right now, and you actually want to take it all the way to rank 6 in one go, you can do that. It's just going to require a ton of Soul Ash to get it up to rank 4. Then it will require Soul Cinders to get it to rank 6. You'll need a rank 6 base item, which will require a Vestige of of Origins to craft. You don't necessarily have to do the crafting of that. You can buy it on the auction house, but it's going to be expensive. At least for a while. Oh, it's going to be expensive for a while because... You have to grind up to on to honored with this advance to even buy the recipe. Then you have to spend roughly like uh, at least two weeks just getting the Corthian shards because the quests to get them are like weekly quests. So it's not going to be fast. This this thing is going to take a while to do. But either way, 
that's now possible. So you could theoretically boost your legendary all the way up from rank 1 to rank 6 in one go if you have the materials for, to do so. And in, once you do, it'll immediately have a socket if it's in a, in a slot where they, that would have a socket. So that's good. I, I mean, you still can only wear one legendary unless you also get the legendary bow from Sylvanas. Um, then you can use that with the, with the other legendaries from this expansion. It does not have a restriction on it. But otherwise, you can only use one legendary at a time right now. Uh, which, I mean, I, I understand, but I'm, I'm kind of surprised they haven't added in the Legion type thing yet where you can get another one. I think it's because uh, legendaries right now, unlike Legion, legendaries very fundamentally change how certain classes work. Like, mm -hmm. I'm playing a survival hunter, and I get a lot of crap for it. Um, but I actually really enjoy playing a survival hunter. So, yeah, anybody who's been giving me stuff about it. Um, but one of the things that at least makes it somewhat competitive is the uh, legendary that uh, ignites your tar trap when you use flare. Um, so, like, if you don't have that, like, it, it the, the class feels not complete. I mean, it still doesn't really feel wholly complete in that particular spec, but... Um, that is sort of like a game changer of how you play. It changes how you think about placing your traps and, and everything else. It has a divine impact on what you do. And a lot of those legendaries are like that. Uh, the Resto Shaman one that I'm using, uh, which is Tidal Core, it's the same thing, right? Like it changes how I prioritize spells. It changes how I approach the game. But the problem is, is a lot of the other legendaries are exactly at odds with some of that as well. So if I were to have that plus another one of my healing legendaries, they would be very at odds with each other. So I would I wouldn't want to have two of them anyway. Um, it's not like the Legion ones where they were really cool effects. But like we used to joke, I can't remember the name of the pants off the top of my head. Um, but we had a player who would do that with uh, Zizaz or whatever the, the amulet was so that his pants would heal him. The neck would shield him and something else would happen. But they were individual effects that by themselves weren't game breaking and he could use them all at the same time these ones don't feel like that at least not to me at least not the ones i see but at any rate yeah that's how legendaries are going to be working in this patch so it is a bit more complicated now you're going to need to run torghast a bit more although the reason that the rank five and rank six legendaries use a different currency is so you don't feel like you have to like spend you have to save all your soul ash to craft rank five and rank six legendaries. Uh, you can go ahead and use your soul ash on on other legendaries for different builds if you want to. So that's why they did that. Uh, as Joe said earlier, though, there's a lot we could be talking about, and a lot of it is story stuff that probably will be the subject of a lore watch in the future. I don't know if it'll be this weekend. Um, we might want to delay what we were going to do. Possibly, know. we're gonna we're gonna make a we're gonna make a probably on the fly decision. Yeah, uh, we'll decide that later. Yeah, but I will say we're gonna move on now to do some these their emails that we got. Um, uh, we only have four this week, so Joe may be looking. I'm looking at you, chat. Be, yeah, he may be looking to chat for more stuff. It depends on how much time we end up having at the end of this. Uh, but if you have a question for the podcast, uh, you can either email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzard watch so we know it's for this show or, or you can do that thing where you say for either show and then whoever gets to it first takes it and there's there's 
hurt feelings, and later on, I will steal some of Joe's crackers because I'm, you know, I like his crackers there. And uh, if you don't want to do that, if you want to go to our Discord channels, you can go to our Discord server, and you can go to the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel first up if you're a patron, and that's we look there for questions. Uh, or you can go to the Q Questions channel if you're not a patron and you still want to ask us a question. We we look there too. We're, we're more than happy to answer questions. We just kind of give priority to patrons so that they get something for their support of the site, which allows us to be doing anything at all. So yeah. Uh, Joe, if you don't mind reading the questions for us. Never mind at all. Uh, dear watchers, there is a commonly held belief among players that encounters uh, that encounter mechanics, especially at raid and mythic plus levels, disproportionately impact melee classes more than ranged classes. Prime examples in 9.1 include Sludgefish. Uh, wow. I sludge fist. I'm sorry. I we I have this nasty tendency of calling bosses by my guild's nickname for them. I apologize. Uh, in Castle Nathria and uh, storming and sanguine affixes in Mythic Plus. What are your views on this topic? If you agree, what do you think can be done to even things out? Thanks and keep on watching. This is from Belloc of Dragonblight. Matt, you've played melee a whole lot more than I have. How do you have you done anything that to, to feel the bite of this this expansion? Are you are you are you kidding me right now? I, have I to just ask. want to make sure. Are you joking? I'm not. The I entire history of raiding in World of Warcraft out a melee character is pain. Yeah. It is nightmarish pain that will not end. It is mechanics that constantly throw a middle finger at you. Um, going all the way back to the Sons of Fire on Ragnaros and having to, like, avoid getting blown up or thrown into the air. Don't touch that lava! Don't touch that lava! All the way back. It's always been this way. It will always be this way. Um, Part of the problem is is that in order to come up with a mechanic that targets ranged over melee, it has to be a smart selecting thing. And those are difficult to implement. Anything that 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 would give ranged a problem is going to also give melee a problem. And range have the benefit of being able to move five feet, stop in a new place, and resume damaging things without having to go back to the boss. This is the thing about melee and range, the melee ranged economy. Ranged don't have to be standing in a specific spot. They just have to be close enough. Melee practically have to be up its butt. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you, you'll, you're moving out of stuff. There's going to be a fire explosion on the ground. Everybody needs to move out of these circles and appear on the ground. Okay. Both the melee and the range do so. Now, both of them have stopped DPSing. Let's say we, they have to move like for like six seconds. They're both going to have to move. At the end of that six seconds, the melee might be close enough to hit, but probably will not be. The ranged absolutely will resume start attacking as soon as they're done moving. Mm-hmm. And that is the problem with mechanics that you know do that kind of interrupting of DPS. With- they always prioritize screwing up melee because it's impossible because of the way melee works. Which is why you see like swings and uh, DPS spikes for a lot of melee classes throughout the course of an expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see uh, my personal most familiar one is Enhancement Shaman. There is a point in Wrath where Enhancement Shaman, throughout the course of a single tier, would bounce from the top of melee DPS to the bottom of melee DPS based off of adjustments that were hot-fixed in, trying to find a balance point because they needed to find a way to allow 
uh, particularly during the Ice Crown raid, um, melee for that class to not completely fall behind range when it had to deal with moving for all those other mechanics. So Matt's absolutely right. Uh, melee's always been awful as far as dealing with mechanics just because of the there's nature reason, of how it works. Yeah, there's a reason that the DPS benchmark in the original World of Warcraft at the end, when, when the next raid, was patchwork. Because patchwork, you do have to move, but you basically move out and then move back in. And since everybody groups up, everybody is equally inconvenienced. Because the range can't, they have to group up. Even if they stay out and just DPS, nope, that the, that will not work. That is not the mechanic. So mechanics that cause the entire raid to have to stop what they're doing equally, because they all have to move to one point again, are not melee antagonistic. They're equally dis- they're equally bad for everybody, um, but anything where you just move away and then stop, if you can just stop and resume attacking immediately, then it will benefit ranged. Uh, anything that doesn't require because any any fight where you like have to move away from something, if you then have to move back to the original place you were standing to attack again, that's more time off boss. This is a reason that for a lot of melee DPS they used to add in stuff like. For warriors, it was deep wounds and rend. Yeah, so you could keep DPSing while moving because you weren't actually yeah. there. You could put a debuff yeah. down. Yep. Yeah, they, uh, that's why rogues had poisons and and like bleed effects. Shaman uh, had flame sh- flame shock and, and a few yeah. other things. Yep. And and would usually drop uh, the totem that searing, searing totem. totem yep. You know? uh, there's if you if I remember when I played my shaman enhancement, if I had to move, if I knew I'm gonna have to run around a lot, I would drop searing totem and then I would run. Yep. Because Searing Totem would just go plunk, 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 plunk. And while it's not big damage, it's, it's still damage. Yep. And yeah. that's the thing. In order to fix this, you're going to basically... You, you either need to come up with mechanics that directly... Like, here's one example of a fight that was actually worse for range than melee. Again, except for hunters. Uh, I want to say Cindergosa. Yeah? Yeah, Cindergosa. Yeah, Cindergosa was definitely it. Yeah. Cinderbosa because it, it, it affected the magic damage and made it so you had to basically stop casting or you would be made to stop casting. Um, I don't honestly, I never played a caster on that fight, so I don't remember exactly what it did. I just remember it was really bad for casters. I remember I remember at the time Hunters, it would trigger off of Arcane Shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was like 80% of a Hunter's DP, DPS that tier. It was It was fun. But at uh, least you could you could like auto attack. Yeah, you it could auto as, yep. It wasn't as awful for them as it was for say a mage. But like but yeah, yeah. I was gonna say according and this is something that I've been experiencing recently because I've been doing a lot of mythic plus stuff with my my guild. Um, my normal crew has been been doing their their mythic plus keys again. Um, storming and sanguine. Oh my god, they are awful on my hunter. And I'm, uh, again, survival hunter. And if it wasn't for the fact that I had a harpoon to drag me back in immediately, like, I I would feel absolutely, positively, 100% useless on well, those yeah, on those FXs. Let's talk about that, then, since he, he was mentioned earlier, Sludgefish, which, by the way, is what I'm calling him from now on. It, yeah, that's, that's what my guild calls him. But... That's an example of a fight that not only is is worse for melee than range because they the melee has to run away in a group and then worry about positioning because of the the ever go, ever disappearing floor space. Yeah. And then 
whilst the range can start attacking pretty pretty soon after, if you charge in or harpoon your way in or do anything where you move faster, you will kill the person you're with. Yeah, so for from my perspective, ask Liz Harper how many times I've killed her in that raid fight while I've been playing on my hunter. I'll wait. I can hear her screaming from here. Yeah, <laughs> so that kind of mechanic is always going to be worse for melee than for ranged. Uh, yeah. And again, unless you basically make it inconvenient for everybody the same basic way, or you target the ranged in a way that is very difficult to make work. Sometimes they've done it. Uh, like we mentioned Sidragosa. There are specific things you can do. You can you can put up shields where like where magic damage does less. That will also inconvenience any melee that uses magical damage, like a death knight or a, a paladin or, mm-hmm. or a shaman. I mean shocks and 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 whatever they call the thing that judgments and so forth the paladins do, and the various you know here's a magic disease thing that death knights do. All that stuff is going to be affected, and that's bad for those melee as well. The only people who would like it would basically be warriors and rogues, uh, and and feral druids. I guess feral feral kitties don't don't really do a lot of magic damage, to my knowledge. Um, some bleeds and so forth. But in terms of how you, I think the real different thing here is not to worry about coming up with parity in all raid encounters. It's that you need a mix of encounters so that like, there can be a fight where the melee get to shine. And a fight where maybe ranged DPS is more important. You can't just have it be so that ranged DPS is always better. And for a lot of raids, especially going back to like Cataclysm, Mists, uh, Warlords, Legion, and, and even BFA, there are guilds who have de- deliberately dropped melee DPS for ranged because the range just brings more DPS. And that there's no downside. There's no reason you shouldn't bring them. That's to the point where they actually put some buffs and debuffs on melee just so that you don't want to lose the buff by not taking them. And that's that's weird to me in terms of design. You shouldn't feel like, well, I want to make sure that my guild you know, ha- still has access to like Battle Shout or what have you. Um, I don't want that to be why you bring a warrior. I want you to bring a warrior because they're good. Um, but yeah, I... I I can't really think of anything like I'm, I'm not a game designer and this is a problem that's been around in World of Warcraft from the beginning. So it would be pretty arrogant on my part to say, here's the way to solve it. I, I don't know how to solve it. Yeah. If I did. I'd probably like, I've written a nice article about how great my great idea. So. Yeah. And this is something like I've, I'll say this a lot. We're not game developers. We're not game designers and we don't have the benefit of having a room full or a company wide full of individuals who have tons of experience in this. And if they can't find a good solution for it, I don't know that I can. The, how do you make an encounter interesting with mechanics that are engaging without alienating a player for a certain amount of time? And, you know, look at Thunder King. Thunder King made, it was a fight that made everybody equally annoyed, regardless of what your role was. Um, and some fights are just going to affect melee more because of positioning requirements. Uh, Sludge Fist is a really good example of that because if your tanks don't position them just right, you can't attack them. Um, now, thankfully, they've done some things like gotten rid of Instagibs um, and the whole. Uh, what was it? There was um, to hit, and then there was the other one, the other stat that you had to have, parry. 
Um, getting rid of those things as far as, you know, stats that you had to worry about as a melee DPS, getting rid of some of that definitely helped. Um, but I don't know an elegant solution. I really don't. So, uh, maybe one day they'll figure it out. Maybe by that time, it'll be the next MMO or WoW 2 or something. <laughs> All right. But I think we can move on to the next one there. Uh, greeting, okay. unless you have anything else you want to say. No, I think I'm done. Okay. Uh, greetings to those who watch all things that are chilly. Just having listened to the most recent Blizzard Watch, in which the Night Warrior dilemma was brought up, I had a thought. What if this was the perfect way to bring in Night Elf Paladins? The original Paladins of the Alliance were made up of a mix of warriors and priests who cross-class to become OP. The Sentinels already exist as a militant section of the Night Elf Society who have a close relationship with the Sisterhood of Elune. They are led by Chandris and Tyrande. There is a perfect opportunity for a combined effort from both Night Elf sectors to step in and volunteer to share the Night Warrior powers. A mini quest to unlock would be needed similar to the ones in the Demon Hunter starting zone, where those who can't control the power explode and those who do gain great power. Just the thought, uh, Maleficus, a balanced druid from Hyjal. Uh, that is a great idea, honestly. And that's something that I completely forgot about. I'm going to be 100% straight up honest. There is a canonical Night Elf Paladin, one, that we know of. But this would be a really great opportunity, like you're saying, to open that door for Night Elves to become Paladins. And way, way, way long ago, before Anne left us, I remember we had a lore watch about this. And we talked about channeling, channeling Alun's power. And this is before the Night Warrior. This is before any of this stuff. And until I saw this question, I honestly completely forgot. This would be a really cool way uh, to sort of, one, save Tyrande in a canonical way, uh, but two, give Alun some more agency on the ground. And I like that because we keep talking about how Alun's been, well, like a moon, waning in power and influence. What if this was a way to keep that alive? What if that was a way to, you know safely manipulate the night warriors energy where all of the paladins were night warriors. And that's what a paladin was for a night elf. And you have an epic quest where you're splitting the power or you're, you're doing whatever, or you're uh, getting a loon back to full power so that she can do that. Um, because we still don't know what's going on with a loon and I'm trying to avoid any spoilery stuff, but that would be really cool. I, would probably jump on that train almost immediately. And thank you, Red. There are two. Uh, there is uh, Delos and Neris Moonfang. So thank you. There are two paladins. But yeah, what do you think, Matt? Uh, in the comics, there's a character uh, named Nova. This is a Marvel Comics character. Started off kind of as a as a generic '70s superhero, got his powers from a weird place, but ultimately sort of came kind of like Marvel's answer to the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, the Nova and they've, Yeah, they've done various things with it. Well, one of the concepts I always liked is that when the core exists, when the Nova core exists, there's a thing called the Nova Force that is shared amongst all of them. Mm -hmm. But several times something bad has happened, and there's been it's been reduced down to one Nova. When that happens, the Nova Prime has access to the full Nova Force that normally empowers every Nova and can use it all. But that's not ideal. There's a cost. It's is too much power for somebody to use all at once. The last time he did it, he got himself trapped in the cancer dimension. Um, so 
this is the kind of thing that makes me think of that. Like, Tyrande, with all the power of Elune focused through her, yeah, it's going to shake her apart. She's not designed to, you know, no mortal being is supposed to have the power of Elune. They're not That's supposed why, to be the Lantern. Yeah. So, having it sp- shred out across multiple people to create paladins. That's a great idea. It's one I kind of wish I thought of, actually. I, I had been saying they should do something like that, but I hadn't thought of paladins with it. That And the idea that Night Warrior would just become the term mm-hmm. for a paladin, the way Vindicator or Sunwalker. is for a Draenei, or Sunwalker is for a Tauren, or, you know, what have you, the Blood Knight for for Blood Elves. That's really... That's that's a great idea. I, I seriously... Uh, we've got, we got a post that'll be going on the site sooner or later, um, that Phil wrote, basically saying that, that it's time for World of Warcraft to drop character restrictions. And we've been saying this for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe's been saying it, I've been saying it. Random people on the street that don't even know me are just walking around minding their own business, going to the store to buy a Carvel ice cream cake, and suddenly they just stop and go, World of Warcraft should abandon all of its class restrictions and should let any any character play any class. Yeah, I mean, I was literally I was literally buying dilly bars from Dairy Queen, and somebody said the same thing to me as I was cashing out. Yeah. Like, it, it's everywhere, man. Yeah, it's absolutely, con- you know, it is a, a true, co- like, if you listen to that black hole that is eating a neutron star out in the cosmos, it's going, much as I am eating the cosmos, you know, in this way, and causing gravitational waves, World of Warcraft should eat away its class restrictions. Like, that's how common this is. Anyway, it's real hot, guys. <laughs> This might be a fever dream. We're not sure, but whoa, we're going to do it anyway. I'm I'm off track. But at any rate, I definitely think this is a good idea. I definitely want to, you know, give you a kudos for having come up with it. I'm sure other people probably have, but they didn't email us. So you get the credit as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it it, it would be a very nice, elegant solution. I don't think we're going to see it happen this patch. But I'm kind of hoping right about now, somebody at Blizzard is going, slapping themselves in the forehead going, yes! And then they're running down the hall going, well, actually, I guess they'd be home. I don't know if they're working from Blizzard. They were not in the virtual hall in their Slack group. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I definitely think this is something that I would love to see them do. I hope they do it. Yeah. I hope if they weren't already going to do it, I hope they hear this and steal your idea. Well, in, in, and don't, don't credit you. Part of because, part, yeah. part of me is wondering if they're already starting to do something like that. Because I'm, I'm, I'm saying I, I, I'm kind of hoping they are. Yeah, I'm hoping this is already in the works. Well, because I'm looking at I'm looking at the Ardenwell campaign stuff, right? And I'm going back through it in my head, and it seems possibly like they might be, you know, already starting to lay the groundwork for that. We talked about them like talking about the idea of splitting the power because of the. Uh, I, and I can't remember the NPCs' names. I'm sorry, folks. It's really really warm. Uh, Theranax. This, yes, Theranax and Theranax's mate. Um, they talked about them trying to split the power, so it's not an unusual concept. It's something that's already established in the game as something that folks of the Night Warrior ilk have tried to do. So why not? And, and Matt made this point, I made this point, and I know others of you have as well. It's why not take that a step further? Why not have more that would step up? And then we started talking about that and talking about it and talking about it. And then all of a sudden the night elf customization came out and you could have night warrior eyes. And I was like, okay, well, that's a little bit weird. Why would you, why would you be doing that? And we speculated that maybe they were setting something up for um, a night warrior specific quest. And then we walked it back a little bit. And I think a few weeks ago, Matt talked about it being, maybe it's just like an aesthetic thing where you can just role play it and they're just putting it in. But maybe it's not that. Maybe they're laying the groundwork for something like this where that's the salvation for Tehran. Because I'm going to be flat out honest, and I've said this on, on Lorewatch, and I've said this here, 
I love Tarant. I think she is a fantastic character. I love how complicated she is. I do not want her to go away. I, if anything, I want her story to continue. And having her be like the progenitor of the new paladin class for night elves, she's already a priest. It already parallels the paladin story on the human side. Why not let them do something similar? Where through her, the blessing of a loon is, or the power of a loon is given to those that are faithful and willing to hold up and act in agency under a loon's banner and fight for the night elf people and preserve life in the same way that human paladins wielded the light and accepted the light uh, and combined it with their martial prowess and learned how to pick up a sword to I mean, preserve life. If you watch, if you watch how Taronda has been fighting in the past, in these last two cinematics, girl is dangerous. Very. And, and quite frankly, I also hope this means they let paladins dual wield, but I don't think they will. But nevertheless, watching her swing around those two glaives, man, chills. Those things are amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I think we're both really pretty solidly in agreement here. This is a good idea. I hope they do it. Um, if they don't do it, it will be a missed opportunity. I would agree. Doesn't mean they will, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Our next question, Hoddle Yodels. Uh, I know it's too late now, but with WoW Classic, people wanted to experience what it was like back then. Knowing how players are more skilled, why didn't they triple the health of raid bosses? People burn through in three days what took three months. So, okay. Because it's not Wouldn't just it about health. Yeah. Yeah. All you would have done was make the fights longer. Not, and you wouldn't really have made them longer because once you get to the point where you understand the mechanics, you can start lightening up on things. Uh, this is from experience back in in class in vanilla days, when we started doing Anixia, all forty of us went in and struggled titanically and barely managed to kill her. Um, within. Four months, and keep in mind, this is four months in which the only other raid we had access to was Molten Core, because Blackwing Lair wasn't out yet. Mm -hmm. We were getting her down with 20 people per raid in a third of the time that it took to kill her our first time. And that's because we knew the fight, so we no longer had anything to worry about. Nothing was going to surprise us. We had strategies in mind for everything that was going to happen. Her fear, we had it covered. Her knocking people into the whelps, we had it covered. Mm -hmm. We had a plan for the whelp. When he activates, she activates the whelps. Had a plan for that, too. And we could do it with less people. Not just because your gear gets better, although it does. You know, as you're running, you're running Molten Core and Ani every week, yeah, your gear gets better. But it gets better to a certain point, but it wasn't going to get Blackwing Lair better because we didn't have Blackwing Lair yet, much less Nax better. We weren't getting gear that much better than what was available at the time. It was better, but what was really happening was we knew the fights, and so they no longer provided us with any, like, oh, oh snap moments. And if all of you had increased her health, it just would have taken us longer to do it. And not by a lot. I mean, we would have... You know, say you, you give her like 300% of her current health. Yeah, it's going to be like a slog. It also means that her execute range is going to be a much bigger. Yep, 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 like, yep. I'll tell you right now, DPS warriors love it when somebody has a high health bar. Oh, yeah, because that, that even hunters do too, because hunters have the execute. 
Yeah, everybody who's got an execute would love it if you put, like, you want to make melee happy? Give me a full minute of execute? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, I'm hitting execute all the time now. You know, it's, it's, so, there are pros and cons to that kind of thing. There are reasons you might want to do it, but it's not as simple as just making everybody have more health. Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes it's not that the health is the issue. Sometimes it's the fact that they now understand how to completely sidestep mechanics that are meant to challenge them. But you get enough time and people figure out ways to completely avoid them. I knew, like, one guild, because I was in it, that trivialized Gar. Because we had so many warlocks that we could banish almost all of the elementals and just fight one. Not We didn't need to have three tanks tanking three of them while the rest were banished in a complicated arrangement. Nope, we just had our eight warlocks all banish one. And trust me, that trivializes that fight. And it mm-hmm. trivialized it from day one. And that's not something you could just give Gar more health. Go ahead. That's not going to do anything. It's just going to make it take a little longer. Yeah, and I mean, it, it seems like back then, more health was what they tried to do at several points in time, too. Like, if you look at original raid design, um, moving from tier to tier, even for like even moving into Burning Crusade, a lot of the mechanics weren't quote-unquote new mechanics by the time Burning Crusade came around, with some few exceptions, at least for the first tier. Um, but everything had larger health pools. The fight just lasted longer. Um, looking at like things like uh, Gruul's Lair and, and, and uh, Magtheranon and stuff like that, those fights were long fights, and it wasn't just because of mechanics, it was because they had huge health pools. That's not necessarily engaging combat. That's not necessarily... Uh, engaging gameplay for the 20, 25, 10, 15 people that are doing that encounter. Um, so you have to figure out something else that would have worked, and I don't know that there's a genuine answer. And we talk about this a lot, especially with like Classic WoW, is back then, and, and we just talked about this last week, I think, too, and I think we talked about it the week before. We, it comes up a lot. There just wasn't the resources that we have now. Everything was was cryptic. Everything was pseudo-competitive. Everything was played very, very close to the chest. Guilds did not coordinate with each other uh, unless there was, like, some weird extenuating circumstance um, where it was actually, like, one guild but had two full 40-man raid groups. Like, you didn't share strats. You didn't share information. You didn't work together. Now we have... YouTube and various people doing the content. We have our site, um, which I also thought it was funny. I was looking at the other day. Uh, if you go to the official wow timeline of like things that happened, uh, apparently our old websites launches and that included in that timeline. Cause that was a major event because there wasn't anything like it up to that point. And this is before wildhead. This is before all of that stuff. Um, you didn't have those resources. The state of the world has changed over the course of the last Decade and a half, two decades. That's just the nature of it. The type of player has changed over the course of the last two decades. And the expectation of what is going to be consumed in a video game, in an MMO in particular, has changed over the course of two decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, it's really hard to try to recapture something that happened, again, almost 20 years ago. And get that same experience. Like, we just talked on, on Lore Watch this past week. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, 
go ahead and do so. I, it was a really, really good one. We talked about um, AQ and everything that led up to it and how it was a huge event that had never been seen before in game, in any game. It was big and time consuming and led to a 10 hour, 10 real hour event that spanned entire servers and involved everybody. It was massive. You can't capture that anymore. It doesn't take that length of time to get to those places anymore. Player internet's faster. Computers are better. Um, players are more knowledgeable. We're more used to it. Like the part of the part of the thing that made WoW Classic or Vanilla WoW. I'll call it Vanilla WoW. Uh, different than WoW Classic too is all of that was new. All of the MMOs that had come out before it were grindy. Overly complicated, much like if you were listening to the pre-show here, uh, and if you're listening to this in the post-recording and want to listen to the pre-show stuff in the unedited podcast, consider supporting us on Patreon. Hey, shameless plug. Um, when we talk about that stuff, like that, those were things. There, there's a the, WoW was the streamlined version of MOOs at the time, and even then, it was complicated and new, and everything about it was unheard of. And there's a reason that WoW became the template for so many other games to do stuff with after it um but now we have that knowledge it's it's what we what i call tribal knowledge right it's even if you don't know how to play wow you kind of know how to play wow you've heard somebody talk about it there's some form of like pop culture reference uh or you've played a game that basically stole its ui exactly anyway yeah exactly so yeah there's there's a lot of world of warcraft out in the world for you to be familiar with it it is you, you, what they did was the best they could do in terms of giving people an idea of what it was like. It gives you, it does exactly that. It gives you an idea of what it was like. It does not give you what it was like because what it was like went away during its time. Like, if you started playing World of Warcraft in late 2005, you were not playing the same game that people started playing in November of 2004. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it just was not the same. I started a Paladin in November of 2004. So I remember running, doing dead mines, um, and being able to heal that dungeon while still doing damage. Because judgments and seals were crazy broken. Mm -hmm. And then they, they fixed them and I stopped playing the Paladin because it wasn't overpowered anymore. You know, my first character was a Paladin. And, and every time I tell people that, they, like a bird somewhere is like, you know, unhappy. But seriously, like the, the game changed and changed and changed, um, even in those first couple years. And if you were playing the game in like in, in like January of 2007, just before the Burning Crusade came out, wholly different animal than the same game a year earlier. Oh yeah. And there's no way for WoW Classic to give you all of that. And you know. I feel like it was unfair of me to ever expect it to. I, I was not giving the game its its due. I was not treating it like a game people are playing. I was treating it like a museum piece. But it can't be a museum piece and be a game. Mm -hmm. And in, in order for it to be a functioning game, they have to do stuff like fix the bugs that drop, dropped your boat in Stone Talon when you were trying to get over to AQ40. They have to fix, like, you know, all the stuff that they fix has to be fixed and it, if, if it's fixed it's not original wow because it wasn't fixed then you know it's one of those weird things about this whole thing you have to accept that this is it's an artifact it, it is 
it's literally like having somebody come and tell you stories about like going uphill both ways in the snow, except you get to actually experience the uphill both ways in the snow. But what you don't get to experience is living in like the, the, the 1920s because you're not ever going to do that. There's You can't go back and live in 2006. I mean, sometimes I think I would. Uh, lots of things I could change. But you can't do that. And mm-hmm. you can't really go back and play World of Warcraft. Like, I, go, go around sometime and look at a lot of people who tweet about World of Warcraft now. And realize, like, I, I and this they are completely valid, completely justified World of Warcraft players. But, like, a 30-year-old World of Warcraft player, someone who's 30 right now, mm-hmm. and is playing World of Warcraft. Let's say they've played World of Warcraft for its entire runtime. They started when they were 12. Yeah, I, I mean, I have nothing to say to that. That's just that's just a fact. You're not twelve anymore. Yep. You know, I mean, I was in my early thirties. I was in my late twenties. Yeah, and now we're here. You know, it's just what happens, and yeah, it, it is. It is not as simple as just jacking up the health pools. It would not have. It still wouldn't have felt like the original game. Uh, I don't know what possibly could have made it feel more like the original game than what they did. Uh, I think you kind of have to give them credit for getting as close as they did, quite frankly. Yep, I agree. I think we have time for our last one here. Uh, Sure thing. uh, Hey, Watchers, which character's theme music do you like the most in WoW? Mine is either Illidan's or Arthas. They both give me chills every time I hear them. Speaking of Arthas, I know we are in some ways still seeing the chain reaction of his actions. However, just how far did his actions scar the world? What are the lingering effects you can still see in WoW in the WoW universe of his actions? And do you think we will ever be fully past them? And this is from Rickles of the Demon Hunter. Um, I don't know if necessarily I can give Arthas 100% credit for it. He definitely did a lot, but like that, that ball started rolling down the hill way before him. Uh, that started happening with the Night Elves. That started happening with the War of the Ancients. That started happening with the Sundering. That started happening with the Titans. And also started happening with Ner'zhul. Uh, not even on Azeroth. A lot of the stuff just was a whole big trickle down from there that just keeps going and going and going. As a matter of fact, we're going to be seeing pieces of this again in the current patch that just released. Um, if you're avoiding spoilers, I'll be nice. But uh, just we're going to still feel the effects of it. But the truth is we are... Those scars run deep. You can go to different places in the world of like just go to Eastern Plaguelands, go to Western Plaguelands, uh, look at Northern, look at Lordaeron, look at all the the Northern Kingdoms. Just look at everything there. None of that is how it used to be, and those are not changing anytime soon. Walk outside of Silvermoon. Look at that scar. Look at the effects of uh, of the Legion and, and everything that happened with uh, the Sunwell and all that stuff. All that stuff stems from stuff that happened around these events. And I don't know if you move past them, right? They're, they're part of the fabric and makeup of the story in the world. There was a... I'll go to the, the thing where Illidan uh, and Zira... Uh, yeah, Zira are having that big discussion back and forth, and she tries to basically light jack him. And he basically says, no, I am my scars. There's a lot of truth in that statement, and it wasn't just him he's talking about. 
every character we interact with that has like this huge growth, whether it's Jaina or Thrall or, uh, you know, in, in this particular case, Illidan, they all have their scars and their scars are, are things that happen to them that you don't move past. You you integrate them into who you are because they help they help tell your story of how you got from point A to point B. At a personal level, I think a lot of us are that same way, right? I know for a fact that my scars over the years are a part of who I am and made me who I am uh, and my reaction to them. They're just a part of me. And I don't think you move past them, but you learn how to deal with them. And you learn how to accept that they are part of what happened to you and who you are now. And I think that's a big part of WoW. These huge wars, these huge things happening, even even Outland, even Draenor exploding. You can't take that back. You can't really move past it. It's there. It's forever. Even the stuff that happened with the Iron Horde, that completely changed that world. It's that's sort of how it, it, it works to me is that you don't move past it. You never fully get past it. You just say, yeah, it's a thing that happened. And because of that, now here I am. And then you keep moving forward. The world keeps moving forward. Azeroth keeps moving forward. And after we're done with the Shadowlands, reality keeps moving forward. That's just the way it is. Uh, and in terms of the first question, which is what music hits that, that really uh, does it for me. I'm going to go ahead and give it to Jane's theme. Cause that, that hits me real hard every time I hear it. So, yep. Matt, what about you? Well, for music, it's not a character theme. So I don't know if it's even something I should say. But And the worst part is I don't know the name of it. It's just that music that was in almost every single dungeon. And it's in Warsong Gulch when you're waiting for the thing. It's like... It's just iconically World of Warcraft to me. I hear that music and it's like, I've heard it in other places. Like I've watched critical role and like they use it. And I'm like, like, it's like, I'm like a dog hearing a dinner bell. I'm like, <gasps> world of Warcraft. Like, you know, it, so it's that, I know that that's not what you asked, but I mean, I really don't, I couldn't tell you what Illidan's theme was or Jaina's or, or, or Arthas's or anybody's, but the second that music plays, I know what, it, like my body is like, boom. Yeah, so that a visceral as reaction the, to it. <laughs> as for the rest, I think Joe pretty much said everything I would say better than I would say it, so I don't really have a lot more to add. Oh, I'm clipping this. Uh, yeah, no, you, you, you know, once a year you get something right. It's fine. <laughs> oh, sorry, I just think that's funny. But you know, um, I, I do think that it's not just that every character is the, the sum of their experiences. The game is the sum of every character's experiences. You don't have World of Warcraft without the Warcraft games and all the stuff that happened in them. The story of Arthas Menethil it, it, it reverberates through all the people whose lives he touched and not in a good way. He Definitely a bad touch but nevertheless think about all the regrets everybody has in their lives about things that didn't work out the way they wanted them to. You know what I mean? I mean, because we all have those. And so do the people who knew Arthas. Um, Uther clearly regrets what happened. Jaina regrets what happened. It doesn't mean that, you know, 
that those regrets, those what if I'd done something differently, those being haunted by the past, being a product of the past, isn't just the individual people. It's the world they live in. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, is Arthas reverberating today? Yeah, absolutely. But so is everybody else. You know, and that's... I think that's the thing Sylvanas has, has yet to come to grips with and is starting to realize. I think so, too. I think that's a yeah. big part of her character growth. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I, th- I think that otherwise Joe pretty much said what I need to say on that subject. So, All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us there. Uh, so Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Joe. Uh, again, guys, if you have a question for the show, you can go to our Discord servers and hit up the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel if you're a patron, or the Q Questions channel if you're not a patron, and we will we look in both of those for questions. Or you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of blizzardwatch so we know it's for the show. I've done an amazing job of not complaining continuously for this entire podcast that it is 105 degrees oh, Fahrenheit still, in my office. It's still 90 here. Oh. Yeah, that's how hot it is in my office right now. So we're going to go so yeah. I can get out of here. Sorry, no post-show, folks. Go to a cold room. Love you all. We'll be back next week. Hopefully it will not be this hot. Take <laughs> it easy, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.